This is the How Not to Fuck Up Your 20s podcast. My name is Daniel, and welcome back to this episode, to another episode, let's say. And today's episode is going to be all about how I lost over $4,000 on two cars in a very short period of time. It could have been a lot worse, but it could have been just not bad at all. And this is actually one of the more painful stories that I have that I'll tell, and it's it's really bad because I'm actually a pretty decent mechanic and I've worked on cars and I've worked on small engines and I've worked on attack helicopters and now I'm working on electronic buses but this is like one of those stories where almost the hubris of my young self and the stupidity and the lack of foresight and the amount of stress that was in my life at that time and the amount of just I want to tuck everything down and not have to think about these hard decisions because just the regular day is so difficult and hard to get through that I just don't have any mental space to deal with these other issues. And that's a part of it, but it's also more about me just being young and being dumb and just not taking care of things like I should have. So let's jump into this. I'll tell the stories and then we'll talk about them. So this story actually starts with me getting out of the first school that then put me in the fleet, which then had me working on attack helicopters. And this school was about, uh, you know, figuring out how to work on the aircraft and specifically how to read the book that told you how to work on the aircraft. And that's something that I really struggled with. And because of that, there was this guy, he was a few, few years older than the average of us. We were all about 18, 19 but this guy was like 22 or something like that. And he was a little bit better at reading through this. So he didn't understand a single concept about being a mechanic, but he always scored almost perfect on every single test because he knew how to look up the answers in these books. He had no idea what these answers meant. He could find them in the book and find them and answer them there. He couldn't tell you how a jet engine worked. He couldn't tell you how the blades worked. He couldn't tell you how the swashplate worked on the helicopter. He couldn't tell you what made it fly, move, up, down, left, any of that. But he tested well. And so he got promoted uh, early because of that. And at that moment when he got promoted, that was the time we were showing up to the fleet. And we actually just pretty much walked across the road because there was an airfield right across the road from the training facilities that we were at. And so we just walked across the road to that and checked in. The issue with two of these people that had checked in with us, there was four, is that two of them were absolute idiots. Absolute idiots. And what they had done, there's this thing with your military bases. So if you're going to buy a car... The closer to the military base you are, the worse and more of a ripoff that car will be. And these guys had gone, like, right outside the gate. Like, if there was the gate and then you could stumble on your face, there was the parking lot with these cars that they were trying to sell. And the, the predatory thing that they do is they will sell these cars to very, very young Marines or just, you know, military personnel. This is a thing about all bases. And they will sell them to the Marines at ridiculous interest rates. So we're talking this guy, the first guy that walked out and bought one of these cars, which he had been they'd been specifically told not to until they got to the fleet and it had been like one or two weeks. They were told not to go and do or buy any vehicles before they got there. And of course, in this kind of intermittent 
couple of days between us actually checking in, they had gone and bought these vehicles. They had interest rates of, I want to say, 17% on, this is around 2014, on a vehicle that was from 2004. And absolutely ridiculous, paid almost double what the car was worth. There's no way he could get out of it. And then the other guy went and bought something that was like a Mercedes, something a little bit newer, but he also had like 15% interest rate. And anyways, terrible, dumb mistakes. Now these guys that are selling them this car pretty much own their paycheck for literally nothing other than scamming these guys. And since there's, it's in a contract, they can't do anything about it. These guys show up and they start getting shit for this thing that they've gone and done and bought these vehicles that they weren't supposed to. It's in the first week when we're checking in, and this is like something that comes up like every single day. Uh, anyways, I had saved up money, and I had been looking around. I was on Craigslist, secondhand, cars. I had saved up about $3,000, $4,000 to go out and try to buy like a secondhand car. And my, my dream car at the time was a Mustang. Uh, as the a 2000, you know, like 2001 to 2000-something, uh, I think like 2005 they got made, 6-7, and I really enjoyed that brand and model. Yeah, that's also a problem on, on bases because if you buy terrible sports cars or the wannabe sports cars that are like the V6s, you also get made fun of like none other. Anyways, this week goes on. They tell me, hey, don't go and buy a vehicle unless you contact XX person and they like mark it off and they can go with you or whatever. And so I go and tell the guy that I'm supposed to, hey, I'm going to go try and buy this car secondhand. Uh, I have cash, so it's like totally different. He's like, cool, good to go. Let me know if you actually like pull the trigger on it. And before you do, give me a call. Anyways, we drive to down to San Diego from Pendleton. I believe we took rail down there and it takes a while. And then like a taxi would have been like a hundred bucks to get back. And so me and my dumb self go and find this car. It's not in the greatest shape, but it's doing all right. The guy wants way more than he should have for it. He wanted about 3000 for something that was only worth about 2000 or about 1500 I ended up buying it, and as soon as I said, okay, yeah, I'll give you cash for it, he has to go and drive over to his friend's uncle's buddy's place to get the actual title for it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's sketchy, but everything went good there. Bought the car, filed for it, got it registered, and I show up uh, on Monday, and I am just in a world of hurt. Everyone's mad at me. Everybody is ridiculous. Like, the guy who I had called and told that it was okay was also mad at me, even though he, he had, I had okayed it with him, because apparently there was some huge thing how it was, like, totally cool to just destroy people over things that were actually, that was a pretty small mistake, paying almost uh, you know, like more than what the car's value was, even though it was still under 4000 in comparison to what these two other people had done to their lives was not even comparable. And I get thrown in with these two guys. And so there are these huge grates that are like, if you step into these, these, these drainage things, almost an entire person disappears into them. And we have to go pull these heavy grates that are probably about 70 pounds each. We have to pull them up and like sweep underneath it and put it back and pull it up and sweep underneath it. And we have to do that because that's our punishment for going out and buying cars. And I get thrown in with these three guys. And that was absolutely one of the worst experiences and a real wake-up call to what the Marine Corps was going to be like. And it continued to be pretty much exactly like that for the remainder of my enlistment. Uh, I ended up moving out 
of that unit, but the mentality still follows everywhere in the Marine Corps. So after a little while, I get, because they don't like me, they decide to do something called fapping out. And that is pretty much sending you off to an auxiliary type position, and I go to 29 Palms to be a data collector for female integration into combat roles. And I'm going to be gone for about three months. And so I passed this car off to a buddy that I knew in another unit. I was like, hey, yeah, you can drive this around, take care of it for the, the months that's there, move it around the parking lot, run it, and stuff like that. And when I get back from these three months, the rear suspension is totally shot. And so my assumption is that he had gone and done something with this car that then eventually kind of pushed the suspension over the edge and broke it. And so I have to go and get that fixed, and that costs me about $1,500. And whatever, I'm all right with it. The car drives, like, feels like it's pristine off the lot after that because it drives so smooth, and I was super excited about that. And this is just the uh, a V6 Mustang, uh, 2002, 2001, something like that. And But I love that car because that's what I wanted, and I should have gone with a V8, but, you know, when you're dumb and you only have so much money you, and you really don't want to wait because your life has just started and two months of being an adult is, like, the longest period of time that you've ever contemplated. There's something about that, anyways, going on to that. Like, when you hit 18, you're at, like, level zero adult. And so when you're at level 19, you're at, like, one. So getting from 18 to 19 is, like, every month is, like, for a lifetime in comparison to what it is going 25 to 26. And that's kind of what I was at that moment in my life. Unfortunate, but that's the way it was. Anyways, spend this money on it. And a few months later, I go out to the car, start it up, and I notice that there's some like water on the ground outside. So I'm like, oh, that's, that's weird. Uh, AC hasn't been running or anything like that. So I pop the hood and I look in the, the radiator and it's a little bit low. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Uh, we'll fill it up, run it some, and no problem. doesn't seem to leak anymore. And uh, I come back out two or three weeks later and there's more water. And this was red flag number two, is that this car is leaking a little bit and you need to check it out. But I just fill it back up and take it on out. And we're driving with one of my friends uh, up in the mountain, not really mountains, but they're like really big hills. Here in Finland, they would definitely be considered mountains, but they're just really big hills and driving it up and down this and kind of like going all sporty on it and pushing it a little bit too hard. Uh, and then I hear this crazy noise, almost like the clutch. Actually, no, I wasn't driving. I had my friend, I had switched with him and he was driving it. It sounded almost like the clutch had started like burning up or scraping or something. Uh, and what it turned out to be was the engine had just uh, ran out of oil because it had overheated. And it pretty much totaled this engine all in one night. From there, we had to get it towed back onto base. And it turned out that I didn't even have stickers to be on base technically, but I had been going in and out of this base for like almost a year and nobody had ever told me. And I park it, and then I get this ticket because I've parked this car. And then they decide, hey, you either need to, you know, move it or get it off base or file it or donate it. And so I had to donate this car and totally lose everything that I had put into it. That was super painful because I was there like, wow, I should have done this so much better, but I didn't 
do anything right. Like almost none of that went correct. That was the learning experiences. Hey, like you, you have to see the red flags. And that was car number one. See the red flags and check in on them. It doesn't mean that you're always going to find something, but when you have red flags, check in on them. And this goes for your cars, this goes for bills, this goes for bank accounts, this goes for jobs, this goes for relationships, especially new relationships. When you have those like beer goggles or whatever you want to call them, the love goggles, and you're like going crazy, and there's a red flag and you just want to like push that red flag off, you should probably take a good hard stop and think about what not in love you would think of this red flag. Anyways, on to car number two. This car was after I'd blown up the Mustang and I decided, well, I, I had some people that I looked up to at that time. I'd been moved into a separate shop where I worked with a lot more of the other shops more closely and he was from a totally different shop, really down-to-earth guy, and he was flipping more, like, almost classic cars, and he was flipping these, and I was like, wow, you know what, like, I am at least as smart and as good of a mechanic as him, and I would like to start, like, trying to flip cars, and then maybe I'll have something to drive as well. I can find these cars that have a little bit something wrong with them, and then fix them, and then move on. And so the first car that I find is on base. The guy says, hey, there's an issue with um, something something, I can't remember, but I'm selling it cheap. I just want to get it out of here. And I go, okay, cool. I'll, I'll pick this up, figure out what's wrong, fix it all up, and be done. Take it on a ride. Everything's really good. The engine's doing good. I check it. Everything's good there. But the problem is, is that inside the radiator, there is a hose that goes into the manual trans, or the, the automatic transmission. And the way automatic transmissions work is that they use oil to... Uh, the oil pressure to actually shift. Once the oil pressure gets to a certain pressure, then it shifts into the next gear or down a gear or whatever it is that it needs to do, and that's how it figures out what gear it needs to be in. And this oil gets really hot because there's a bunch of clutches in there, and there's like a ton of clutches. Like one gear has, I want to say, like 25, 26, 30 clutches that push in and out, so it heats up really quick. And so you need to cool down this oil, and there's a line that goes into the radiator the same radiator that cools down the engine with a bunch of antifreeze, but it's just this little pipe that goes in there. And that pipe had burst inside the radiator. So the radiator had a ton of like, what could I can describe as like a milky film in it. And this milky film is a really, really bad sign. But it wasn't too bad and I figured, okay, hey, this is probably early stages. I'll, I'll buy this, we'll park it. Uh, tow it to a place, we'll get everything sucked out of the transmission, and then we'll clean out the engine, and then we'll put a new radiator in, and it'll be good to go. But apparently, the shop that I took it to, they couldn't get all this milky fluid out of this transmission, which meant that the transmission was totally bad, and it would have to be replaced, because it was just gone. It was pretty much just gone. All of it was cooked up. And at this point, this was only a few days after I had bought it that I got this news, and I had yet to actually put it into my name. I hadn't gone to the thing, and so I went, okay, I'm not going to even, like, pay the money to put this in. I'll have to donate this. I'll have to do this all again. This car is a total bust. Uh, try to figure out some place where I can donate this, like uh, pick a part place, sell it, maybe recoup some of the money that I just spent on this, and 
because of how stressed I was and because of how dumb the workplace was that I was in and how I was so young and I didn't really care and I just kept pushing it off and I was like, okay, I'll just push it off and I'll push it off and I'll push it off. And after about two months, I totally forgot about it. And two months is a really long time to push something off. And around that same time, I had signed up for the MSG program, which was going to get me out of that unit. It wasn't going to be as stressful. I was finally going to get overseas, see the world, do everything that I actually wanted to do with the Marine Corps. They're pretty specific about what type of people they'll take. If you have any type of financial issues or anything dumb going on in your life, they almost guaranteed won't take you. If you have a, any type of alcohol-related incident on your record, they won't take you for this program. So I'm going, and I, I uh, get through all of this paperwork that needs to be done to switch over, and I get this call from a guy, and it's about the car that I hadn't filed in my name. And he tells me, hey, I have this this $2,500 uh, fine here for a car that got towed out of a parking lot uh, in front of Pet Boys in, outside of base. And I just remember being stunned. And for the first moment, I didn't remember even what he was talking about. And then I realized, oh my goodness, this has blown up so bad. All because I didn't just donate the car or move it off that parking lot, or do something with it. Something, absolutely anything would have been better than nothing. And so they had towed this car and gotten rid of it, and it was in the parking lot and everything. And I had to pay for him through another company, and I remember that was the most humiliating call I've ever had to make. That Yes, I'm paying for blah, 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 and it's about this. And I just remember how frustrated I was and I was, I'm grateful that I had the money. I had saved so much money for the little self that I was at that time. And all of it just disappeared into that one mistake. All of it. I was so excited about going home and having vacation where I had money to go and spend about 15 days of vacation back home where I hadn't been for over a year. And it just all disappeared in that moment, all that money and all that hard work. And I just realized, oh my goodness, like the past three and a half months of my work life just disappeared into this mistake and how horrifying that was at that moment. And so the moral here that I really want somebody to take home and like really understand is that don't leave a leaking pipe till tomorrow. Things that will blow up and things that will mess you up, do not push them off. Do not push off your bills. Do not push off your finances. Do not push off your relationships. Don't push off fixing things. Uh, mostly like in that zone. And I get to this point now where I'm working on things that something will go wrong. And I know that I am almost obligated personally inside me that I now have to go and try and fix this or at least see if it needs fixed. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a lot of effort in the moment now but it's going to be so much more if I don't at least look and see and fix if there is a problem. And so it's like this almost like thing where I feel very obligated to do it, but I know that I'm doing it for the right reason that it will blow up and be so much worse if I don't go and do this right now. There is this saying in the automotive world and fixing things is that if you didn't have the time to do it right the first time, you don't have the time to do it the second time. And what that's saying is don't rush what you're doing and do it right. 
and if you don't do it right, then the chances of you having to do it again and spending twice as much and it making twice as much problem, so you should just do it correct the first time. And this goes so far in life, and as soon as you can figure this out, you will be so far ahead of the game personally, and hopefully you won't have any of these experiences, because this put me back like, I was only making 700 a paycheck twice a month, and so it's only 1400 a month. This was almost half a year, if not eight months worth of work that just went straight down the drain, and we're talking work that was some of the most stressful stuff I've ever done. Uh, night crew, which was almost 10 hours long, day crew, 10 to 11 sometimes, uh, of just turning wrenches on a helicopter and not getting enough rest because the helicopters are flying all day and, and stuff like that. So for all of you out there, thank you for listening. Don't forget to watch out for the red flags, at least think about them, and then don't leave things for tomorrow that need to be done today. So, my name is Daniel. Thank you for listening to How Not to Fuck Up Your 20s. Don't forget to rate this and follow on uh, whatever platform it is. And feel free to share this with anybody that you feel can use this story. And thank you for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.